Welcome again. This is Keith Parsons with Heavy Wireless. This is a podcast that's part of the Packet Pushers podcast system. And today we'll be talking about vendor neutral training. And with me, I have Peter McKenzie. Hello, Peter. Hi, Keith. Good to see you. Nice to be on the podcast. Oh, glad you're here. The topic is vendor neutral training. And I know you've been a trainer and a course developer for two decades or so. You've been around yeah, yeah. doing a while. Yeah, ju just over. A little while, yeah. And I, th I thought it'd be good and interesting for our audience to hear. One, we'll, we'll do a little, you know, way back machine. What was it like years ago when we first started? But we can, we can talk about how courses are developed and also give a, you know, let's talk a little bit about what the current state of affairs are in our wireless IT industry uh, with respect to vendor neutral classes versus vendor focused classes. So to get started, Peter, tell us, how did you get started in training in wireless? Yeah, it's a, it's, it's a good story, actually. My, my journey into training and wireless happened at the same time. Um, I, I would have never sort of, I, I think, chose to be a trainer. It's not something I ever dreamt of being when I was at college doing my computer science degree. I probably thought I'd be a, you know, programmer. For, for most of my life, if you'd asked me back at university time. But I was working for a UK company called Marquest, um, straight out of university. And we were selling telecoms compliance tech systems. And I was actually programming a lot of the software for those systems. And um, the telecoms industry ha had a crash around 2001, you, you might remember. Um, and a lot of the tax labs stopped, actually went out of business, which we were selling our equipment to. And around that time, there was a company came to us about whether we had an ISDN tap, I guess. So I think that could sniff packets off an ISDN line. And we were asked if we could get that data into a protocol analyzer called um, Etherpeak by a company called Wild Packets at the time. And as I started looking at their software, I was like, this is a really cool piece of software, this protocol analyzer, being a computer scientist in me. Um, and so we started a relationship with Wild Packets as a UK reseller for their product. And that was um, a reasonably good business decision, considering the state of the sort of telecoms industry at the time. So we did that. And they had a training program called the Wild Packets Academy, but they only had instructors in the US. So we couldn't in Europe sell their courses. And then I got this opportunity to basically go and work with Wild Packets in the US for a sort of four and a half month period. And it came about because we applied for a UK government grant to support small businesses, which they called an international secondment. But the idea was you go abroad, you gain some knowledge at an, a company abroad, you're seconded to the company, and then you bring that knowledge back to the UK market. So the discussions with Wild Packets was about me going out there, working a little bit with the engineering team to help them look at some WEN protocol stuff, but, but also to work with their professional services team. And they were going to certify me to teach their classes, all their Wild Packets Academy classes, so we could teach them in Europe. So I took that opportunity on, and I think it's 2001, I flew out to Wild Packets to um, do the, uh, have had its sort of experience and secondment, having never really taught before. Uh, it must have been about a month before I was due to fly out. Wild Packets launched the first ever 802.11 Wi-Fi analyzer, AeroPeak. I knew nothing about wireless back then. Um, I, 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 I sort of 
downloaded a software and captured a few packets with a cheap NetGear access point I'd managed to buy, 802.11b. And um, and that was about it. And while, while I was working at Wildpacks, I said, oh, if you want to teach our wireless class, we want you to get an instructor-level pass at a new certification, vendor neutral, called CWNA. And that's when I started studying for Wi-Fi and fell in love with it. Well, that's, of course you fell in love with it, because what's not to love about Wi-Fi? What's not to love about Wi-Fi? Exactly. So, so that was how I got into Wi-Fi, but also how I got into training. And what I didn't appreciate at the time, I took for granted because it was my only experience, was the, the professional services um, um, at Wild Packets at the time, which was actually a company Wild Packets had acquired were some really, really smart, clever trainers. There was a guy called Joe Bardwell. There was Joshua Bardwell. There was a need to link. These are the people who set up the original Sniffer Academy training and just were brilliant trainers. And I, as a young professional, not really being involved in training, didn't realize the sort of, or appreciate just how talented these people were. So I set some of their courses and they were brilliant. And I just thought, well, that's what training is like. It's just brilliant, isn't it? And they set me in a room and got me to, started teaching me how to train. And it was scary because they went, oh, we know you know technically what you're talking about, but we now want you to present that slide again and get eye contact with everyone in the room. So I was like, okay. And then people were looking down at the desk, not looking at me on purpose. And they were, you didn't get eye contact with me. I said, well, you didn't look up. And they, they sort of talked me through how I could get someone to look up by using their name. And then they got me to use the entire room, present it. Then they said, now present the same slide again and use the entire room. And I was just like, I, it was so foreign to me. But they, they taught me some amazing skills. Oh, an awful lot of credit to those people because that's how they got me into training. And at, at a level which was, yeah, I, I think quite a high level. But I hadn't at that time fully appreciated, I think, just how good a trainer they were. Perhaps there, you had some other training in between that wasn't as good. Absolutely. Um, that, that's exactly what happened. So I, I started teaching the courses. As, as a company, we got into, um, when I came back to the UK, I started teaching both Wild Packets courses and CWMP training. And on the back of that, the CWMP training, we really started and building relationships with wireless vendors and selling their products. And then I started sitting some of the vendor training courses. I remember the very first one I sat. Um, it was actually a trapeze network training courses, if you remember the company trapeze. Yeah. And I remember sitting there thinking, this is awful. This is the worst training ever. Uh, now looking back, it wasn't that bad compared to other courses I've sat. <laughs> but just compared to the standard I'd been used to, with some very, very talented instructors, I just thought it was terrible. And actually, I would now say it was it was it was okay for vendor for, for some vendor training I've set, but but the comparison was just like it shocked me. And slowly over the next five, six years, as I set more and more courses, I realized just the quality that actually there was a big vast difference in training quality. And what I had been first exposed to was definitely at the high end. Um of that spectrum. So maybe you could describe what's the difference between that high-end quality and, and less high-end quality? Yeah, I think that's a good question, really. What, what is the difference? Well, one of the things I realized was, uh, I think there's a number of things that make up a good training course and a number of things which change it. But 
one of the big things for me was high-end training courses teach you technology and not just button clicks, which I realized quite a lot of vendor courses do. They'll say, you want to enable 802.11, uh, let's say, and say, so you go to this menu, you go here, you click here, and now, you, but, but what does turning on 802.11 do? Why would I do it? Why would I not do it? What's the implication of it? What am I actually doing by configuring it? And they often don't teach that context. So you, so you learn a bunch of button clicks, but you don't learn any context behind why you're doing it. The actual content is really important. And I found I get bored with those training courses because I don't really, following a lab guide, I'm clicking, but I don't know why or why I'm clicking. And it, it just gets quite boring. One of the first courses that I developed was for Air Magnet. And the president and CEO of the company at the time, a guy by the name of Dino, said, well, can, can you teach this in like two hours, four hours? Is it a one day? You know, what should it be? And not really knowing very much, I went, well, I can teach how to use your product and go through every single button click. And it'll take mm, two hours. And then when we really did it, it turned into four. And after the first time we taught a four-hour class with all the button clicks, every single student at the end went, but why were we doing that? Because... Uh, that's not what the, I, no, no, I'm supposed to teach you how to click the buttons. And wireless <laughs> especially is, you know, there isn't a lot of other places to go get that knowledge. So like your R, anyone can click the button and you can teach someone where to find the R click. But why, yeah. to, why do I turn it on? So we took that first air magnet class from, you know, less than four hours. And they said, well, what's it going to take? And to actually answer all the why questions, it turned into a four-day class. At the end of the four days, they still didn't know how to use the product any more than they did after four hours, but they knew why they were doing the clicks. I think that's right. So, so I think it, it's the content of, of what you're trying to teach is important, um, but I think the instructor is important as well. And having an instructor that can both be engaging, something that they were very keen on in the professional services team at um, Wild Packets, and, and they said this to me, they said it, it, it was a professional services team that did the teaching. So they were also doing all the consultancy services, going out, analyzing people's networks, looking at it. And they said, you shouldn't teach more than 50% of your time. You need to be doing the job you're teaching the other 50%. They had it sort of buried. In, and I've realized that's so important because the good instructors are the people who are doing that job day in, day out, and they've got the stories, the analogies they can bring into the training to make it real. They can, you can, they can answer questions. Uh, so I think that's really important as well. And you do get some training departments of vendors, for example, where the guys who do the training, that's what they do 24 hours. They just train and they don't have that real world experience. As a consumer of buying a course, how would you mm. recommend that that person, when they're looking to take a class, find that about the instructor. It's it's not normally in in the you know the guide. You sign up for a class and you get whoever the instructor is. Yeah, I agree. I think um, that that can be challenging at times. Um, sometimes they don't tell you who the instructor is when you sign up for a class, so you have no way of knowing. I would encourage people to email and ask who's going to be the instructor. Maybe do a bit of googling see if you can find out any information on them. Um, I, I would, I would really encourage that because I think it's a, 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 instructors can make or break a class. You can, something I've learned over the years is you can have 
I've talked about the content of the class, but you can actually, if you give a really talented instructor bad material, they can make it good because they pretty much just ignore the material and teach you the content. Um, but, but no but one's ever give, done that, Peter. No, I, I wouldn't have ever done that. Um, but, but also, um, you give good content to a bad instructor and it doesn't matter that the content's great. Um, I, I said a class, I'm not going to say which vendor it was, but it was actually uh, the person who wrote the class is someone I really respect. It was a good class, but the person teaching it literally read the slides verbatim to us. Every bullet point hit next, read it, and he was going through it as fast as he possibly could. Oh, there was actually a time I did some work with Novell in past years, and they had a full education department and all their trainers were full-time trainers, never actually worked. And mm. they had a rule that the trainers weren't supposed to say anything that was not on the instructors. They actually had verbatim, word for word, what the instructor was supposed to say. And the joke was, if, if you became a certified Novell instructor, you're actually a certified Novell reader because they <laughs> wanted you that focused on just doing, the, say the words that we told you to say. I think if I was writing a course for a company like that, I'd be tempted to put something really silly in the instructor notes to see if they would say it. Uh, having seen some of those, they would have said it. But it's kind of the difference between the, and I'm not, not meaning to hit, I mean, Novell's been gone for a long time now, but yeah. they had a professional trainers. That's all their job was to write courseware. And it didn't really matter what the topic was. They could write courseware on a medical device, uh, software, they wrote stuff for uh, car dealerships on how to sell a car. They were just professional course developers. Mm. I think there's a difference when it comes to, and, and they said well, all they needed was a really good SME, a subject matter expert, and then they would be able to do write the training materials. I think and what I've seen in, in my career over the last 20 years is the people who write the best courseware are first practitioners not just as a trainer, but the course developers also need to have that because that's what they're trying to imbue in the end student is how to actually do something, not necessarily what's the best way to, to do this little training module. I agree. I think one of the things I always talk about is when you write in course material is structure and flow. Well, I think when you're started before, I, I spent a long time before I even started writing any part of a course thinking about well, what should be from the, what's the overall goal of this course? And, and I like to have just one, okay? So it's so a one goal from a, from a course. And then there's lots of, then you, you okay, so how am I going to get the student to that end goal? And what's going to be the flow and, and, and the storyline to get them there? And we're, we're going to start here and we're going to end here. And how are we going to um, take them on a journey? I always say it's like a journey, a training course. And along the way, there's stopping points. You need to stop on your journey and, and, and figure out, did I actually accomplish that? Because it's not just the, I agree, there's an overarching mm -hmm. objective, but there's also sub-objectives for every module you need to say, in the next 15 minutes, what do we want the student to accomplish at the end of this 15 minutes? Not just sit like a bump on a log. 100%. You have those sub-objectives and they all lead in towards, you know, and I just think if you're not a practitioner, Coming up with those go the, the overall goal and the mini goals on the way is really hard to say. Well, what does someone who's doing this job need to know? It, it's it's not easy if you've not done that job yourself to know what what is it they need to know. 
it comes back to I know Keith, you were involved in the original ECSE training classes, and um, I think that was a, a great class. But I think the thing that was good about it is you weren't teaching button clicks, and you weren't teaching what the the concept was. In, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. It was your class, but was how do I design Wi-Fi using the Echo product, the tool? So as a person, how do I use Echo? Which could have been a go, and maybe if you've got someone who doesn't work in the network in, in the industry, that's what they would have done. How to use Echo? That's what the course should be. But but it was it was how to design Wi-Fi effectively in a repeatable fashion using this tool. So along the way, you learn how to use Echo. But we learn about it with, with its goal in mind that I want to be able to take a tool and effectively design Wi-Fi. And I think that's the difference you get from someone who's actually done a job because you're thinking of it, that's what I want my students to be able to do when they leave the course. Well, I know you've developed courses for other vendors along the way. Mm. Have, have you received pushback from a vendor? Because what you just described wasn't necessarily good for Ekahau. It wasn't pushing out. It was how to design. Oh, and by the way, we just happen to be using this as a tool. We could swap mm. out the tool. When you develop courses for a vendor who sells access points, you're teaching how to configure Wi-Fi, various 802 amendments. And it just happens to be that you're on a Juniper or a Cisco or a Aruba. Yeah. The configuration is the, is the important part. Have you ever got any pushback from vendors saying, we want you, how come you don't push more of our stuff? Yeah, I, I have actually. I've, I've had a, a lot of pushback. And some of the first vendor training courses I was writing, I, I got that exact correction was, can we not just get rid of all this Wi-Fi theory? And I, I really pushed back on it quite heavily and uh, to, to a point of having a, you know, a, a several hour debate over it. So I, I think you do get, because it's, they're just, that's not the way they view the world. They view the world up their product, their product, their product. And, and to some extent, that's what they're meant to do. A vendor is, this isn't a criticism. If you work for a vendor, you live in that vendor world and, and that's all you see. And your job is to try and sell as much product as possible. Ultimately, it's a sales. They make a product, but ultimately, they're trying to sell the product. That's what they're trying to do. So I don't, I don't criticize them for that. That's their job. But taking someone... The, the problem with that is if you do it all internally, because you want people working for a vendor to be focused on selling a product, you're going to get a course which is very focused on selling a product. That's going to be your output because that's what you've trained yourself to, to, to do. So they're going to generally, and that can be good for sales training, but when you want technical training to train engineers, they don't want to sit on a sales course that says why, you know, Juniper's better than Cisco or Cisco's better than HP or whatever. They, that's not what they want to hear. They want to know, well, how do I configure the product? How do I get it to do what I need it to do for my job? So I think I really encourage vendors to try and get external people in to help them do their training because they're going to have that different perspective. And the few vendors I've worked with recently to do that in, although I got pushback, I managed to stand my ground and I've since had very positive feedback saying that some of the courses I've written are now their top rated classes. Well, I, I, I can agree with them. I took your, I, I forget what the GCNS, IMS, whatever, the big, the big yeah, long yeah, name the, for, the, for the missed one. Easily one of the best courses I've ever attended. 
and I've written courses and I've attended, I mean, I have hundred plus yeah. certifications. That was a fantastic course because it did just that. It taught what you needed to know. Oh, and by the way, it just happens to be on mist in the end you pass the test. I mean, I, I understand how a vendor can have vendor centric test questions because mm -hmm. that's what they want you to achieve. But I think the course material can be less vendor centric and just let the exam part test on that, that one special piece. So I, I, th I think that was one of the best classes I've seen in our industry, the Wi-Fi industry, there's the whole CWNP chunk and yes, they call themselves uh, vendor neutral. I think the term would probably be better vendor agnostic that they're teaching just the, the, the gen, general pieces. Is there other vendor agnostic training that you know of in the Wi-Fi specific industry? Not really in the Wi-Fi specific industry. Um, obviously ComTIA do vendor agnostic training and they have um, various courses, which I think are, some of them are quite good, but in the, Wi-Fi industry, I think CWMP seem to be the main source of, of good quality vendor agnostic training. And of those classes, which one do you like teaching the best? NA, SP, DP, AP? I'll be honest with you. I, I, I obviously, being a bit of a protocol junkie, I like teaching CWAP a lot, but I also like teaching CWNA. I like teaching both of those classes. I love talking about protocol. So that's why I like talking to teaching CWAP. And that is probably my favorite class to teach. But I've always, I've been teaching CWNA since version one of the class. And I love it because it's so foundational. It goes through all the basic concepts of Wi-Fi. And there's so many light bulb moments for students. I, I love light bulb moments or so sometimes when I'm designing a course, I try and talk about and wow moments, moments that the students are going to go, whoa, uh, because if they, and you can see that learning moment. And I think in CWNA, there's a lot of those moments as you, because you take people right back to the concepts of how our app works. And I think most people sit in the course, it's not always network engineers. So our app is, uh, they're not our app engineers. Um, I also say Wi-Fi brings us to concepts together, RF engineering and computer networking. And very often they know the computer networking, but by taking them right back to the basics of how our app works, they start to understand why they've had some of the experiences they have had installing Wi-Fi and it not working as they learn some of those concepts. And, and for me, that's just a joy to teach classes where, where you see those light bulb moments. I had one in... I think I was in Dubai and we had talked about antennas and how, and then I just happened to grab an antenna and screw it into the sample AP I had in front of me and said, well, and someone said, well, what if you didn't put the antenna on? And then I talked to, well, let's see, there's that little teeny stub. It's the wrong size. It's not going to do this and that. And all of a sudden, like three guys in the back go, that's why it doesn't work because they had in, did their install, but their boss said the antennas looked ugly, so they took them off. Yeah, yeah. But you can still talk to the AP. It shows up in the controller. It looks good. Some people, you know, who happen to be really, really close were able to connect and that they had installed literally hundreds of hotels all with the antennas not connected. And that, that one moment of like, oh, that's why. They, That's why, or or the, or the time when they point the antenna where they want it to go, and you explain antenna doesn't 
come out the tip of the antenna. That's not where the R, you don't aim antennas that way. And they, oh. Yeah, and, and that's ultimately why we train, isn't it? Hopefully people leave our classes knowing something and ultimately being better engineers um, and being able to do their job better. So so when you get those moments, it's a delight as an instructor because you're, you, you, you ultimately want people to, you know, have gained more knowledge that they can actually use in their day-to-day -day job and to make them a better engineer. I, I hope that's the case. That's what makes me as an instructor feel well. One of the other things that I've noticed, and I'll just bring it up here and get your opinion, mm. is stories help. Stories help a lot. Yeah. But the stories have to be crafted as well as the rest of the course material. Because a lot of times you might be getting into, into the weeds on how modulation works at, at the actual waveform level, and it's mind-numbing for some of your students. And then you back off to tell a story, and they relax, like, oh, I don't have to pay attention because this isn't hardcore information. It's just a story, and they kind of relax. But if you've crafted the story well, it comes back at the end of the story and reinforces whatever concept you're trying to teach and allows their brain to relax and then have that reinforcement that goes, oh, and this is why. So I think stories are incredibly useful for training if used properly. If not, they're just, well, I had this company that did this. I, I don't care about the company you did. If the story ends with, and that's why the antennas need to be connected, then it can bring it full circle. And I, I know you're, you're pretty good at telling stories yourself. Uh, yeah, I, I love using stories. And you're right, it helps the students to relax. Um, and it helps them to um, take in information. So, so I think stories are a really great tool. But but you are right, stories, and I think particularly um, and analogies um, need to be crafted correctly. Because if you, if you, you can actually mislead people by, by using an analogy to something, if it's not it, it, some I've seen some analogies where actually it's not a very good analogy and it, and it actually teaches a false concept. Especially if whoever is listening heard something like I remember I used to teach. Um, it's like a hub yes. for years. And finally someone said, what's a hub? And I just assumed everyone had worked with hubs and Today, most people have never plugged into a, a Ethernet hub. Yes. Let, let alone know the difference between why a hub and a switch are different. So I was I was relying on an analogy that none of the students were actually picking up on, and I just thought it made sense. Well, you have a new uh, company training. I do MQ, MQ training. training. Uh, yes. You want to tell us a little bit about why you came up with MQ training? Yeah, I'd like love to actually, and it. Uh, so some of the uh, ideas behind it we, we we've sort of talked about already but in my journey training journey and and having this experience of seeing really good training and then sitting lots of not so good training and some really bad training i, I started thinking well what makes a good training course and why is it that and again this isn't me beating up on vendors but why is it that often vendor training isn't very good and then you've got these vendor neutral courses like CWMP, which are really good. Why, why is that? Um, and and I, I considered it for, for quite a long time. Um, and, and 
some of the things I've talked about, like I, I think vendors are just not the right people to create their own courses because they're too focused on selling their product. Um, but but also it's getting people who are actually in the field, writing the courses, teaching the courses, who's teaching it is important. So I, I, I sort of had this belief for a long time that if it's better to get actual professionals who are working in the industry, but also know how to teach that it's sort of 50, 50 thing that goes right back that I was distilled in me at wild packets 22, three years ago, really those people are the best people to be writing classes. They're the best people to be teaching classes. Um, and, and putting in lots of other experiences I've had. So, so I had this concept that, well, why don't I set up a company which, ven which can work with vendors to help them develop educational content? I've had that idea, actually, for probably four or five years before setting this company up. My problem was, how do you sell that idea to anyone? Because it... it there's a lot of people who would agree with me, but then you get to talk. I also realize that developing a good courseware takes a long time, like months to develop a good class. You can't just throw one together. So you talk to a vendor and go, I think I should develop your course for you. And they go, okay. Even if they agree with the basic concept, then you start to talk about costs and they know how much money, how long is it going to take you? No, we'll just get our internal guys to do it. It's cheaper. And, and so there's lots of barriers to my, um, so it took me a long time of chatting with people, networking to actually get to a point where I think I've maybe got a enough relationships in the industry, but also, um, in, enough experience to actually give this a go. <laughs> and that started with Juniper being the first sort of customer of MQ training. I, did some work with it. Initially, it was going to be, it was just as the Mist Juniper acquisition was occurring. So initially, I'd sold the concept to Mist, and then I felt I had to sell it again to Juniper um, after the acquisition. But um, but yeah, I started developing some courses for them. Um, they were quite popular, and I think the, the, the success of that has helped to then talk to other vendors. It, it almost needed that first one to get over the um over the line um i actually helped develop a course for aka how the current ecse troubleshooting class um when they wanted to rewrite it and i'm currently developing and hopefully going to be launching the first course soon hamana training classes we're actually mq training is we've got an agreement in place to be the hamana official training partner so mq training is up and running Looking for more vendors to work with? More vendors, yes. We, we've, we've had some early conversations with uh, probably two or three other vendors at the moment as well. So I, I can't probably say who they are at the moment, but there is other, other vendors we're talking to, both AP vendors and tool vendors. Oh, great. So that's what, so the concept behind the company is really a, we are a vendor neutral company. Okay, so we're going to take a vendor neutral approach to creating vendor content. So, so that's that's a sort of it, it's a it's a bit of a strange concept, but we've got um, 
a, a group of independent instructors as well we're working with who are obviously able to teach all the courses we create. And, and, and that's really the concept we're, we're, we're taking from. So a lot of lessons I've learned about what makes a good course over the years of teaching them and trying to apply that and work with vendors to create good educational content. Well, best of luck to you, Peter. I, I think you've already shown with your first Juniper class the quality of work that you can actually do. If any of our listeners wants to uh, look at your courses or track you down, how would they find you both individually and MQ training? Obviously, myself, on um, you can contact on, on Twitter. I'm at Mackenzie Wi-Fi. MackenzieWiFi.com is my website. Um, they will be very shortly, it's in the final stages, an MQ training website going live. That will be um, MQTS, MQ Training Services is what the four initials send for, um, .co.uk. We are just, it's been a bit delayed because I wanted to get it, 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 I'm a little bit of a perfectionist when it comes to things. So there's there's a lot of back-end um, work being done to make it easy, basically, for students to book courses, um, pay for courses, register. All that back-end stuff is um, just being finalised at the moment. So that will be going live soon. Um, there's an MQ training services Twitter account as well. Um, but... So what I would say is watch out for um, a few announcements coming over the next few months, which will be the website launching. The first Hemina classes will be going live um, over the next few months. So there's going to be a number of announcements coming from this company. Well, wonderful. I appreciate your time talking today about training. And again, this is Heavy Wireless, uh, part of the Pack of Pushers Podcasting Network. Thank you.